Welcome inside 254. Let's close the office door and start the conversation. Calling all high school and college teachers. You asked us for transcripts, resources, and advice on how to teach the subjects we talk about. We heard you and created Inside 254 Teaching Guides. High quality resources are expensive and we know you don't have much money. So we priced our guides cheap. Nothing is more than two bucks because we want to help you teach what we teach. Toxic Masculinity and the first Native American Myth-Busting Guide are now available, and more subjects will roll out as fall semester progresses. You get lecture notes in the form of a narrative transcript of our discussion of the subject, ready-to-print handouts of writing topics, discussion questions, and a bibliography resource list with active links that work. Go to TeachersPayTeachers.com or download the TPT app and search for Inside 254. Download your own Inside 254 teaching guide today. Before we start our table talk today, I would like to acknowledge that the land we are meeting on has long served as a site of meeting and exchange for indigenous peoples, primarily of the Lenape Nation, also called the quote, Delaware Indians by settlers. As we work together today, we honor and respect the indigenous peoples connected to this territory on which we're sitting. Thank you. So the talk around the table today is a celebration of indigenous presence. By way of contextualizing that statement, our entire society, culture, government, education structures, entertainment structures is founded on the cultural genocide of indigenous peoples. We are incredibly invested in the strategy of in erasing indigenous presence from our site from our land, from, from everything. In the American experiment, the erasure of indigenous peoples was essential in order to make America possible. I really can't say it any more clearly than that, I don't think. And so I'm, I don't want to focus today on the past and on the negative, because this is, this is a fact. This isn't opinion. <laughs> and I could give you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples as to why what I just said is actually true. But what I want to do today is uh, with my friend here talk about uh, who is doing what who what amazing indigenous meaning makers and creative people and artists and writers are doing in order to encourage you to educate yourself and seek out some of these peoples and their stories i mean their stories are amazing. Their artwork is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Their writing is is poignant or or rough. The the music and universal and they're and universal, right? Yeah. I think that's sometimes what yeah. people forget that oh, it's just the, to a very specific audience. Like Tommy Orange's book, super universal. Anybody can read that. You don't need to be indigenous to get something out of their work. I think people often do that. No, it's they highly think, highly oh, related. It wasn't written by somebody like me, so therefore I can't get anything out of it. That is not the case. No, it, they are, these stories are highly relatable. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, you know, I spend a lot of time writing about why, like for teaching tolerance, I'm writing about why more K through 12 teachers should teach with indigenous works that are made today. It's a, it's a really super accessible and actually fun and exciting way to get students to think about the fact that indigenous peoples are still here and are still making amazing 
pieces, whatever that is. And so instead of focusing on the past, so that's what I want to do in this, this talk today is focus on the present. So this is a story. This is a story of resilience, resistance, and reclamation. This is a celebration story. When a young woman or when a young man, sometimes you got to take a stand. Just because you know you can't hide. You got to run, you got to run. As you listen today, as you listen right now, I'm going to give you a second. I want you to think. Don't think too hard, but I want you to think. <laughs> I mean, don't overthink. And if you're it. driving, don't close your eyes. Yeah, don't close your eyes. But I want you to think for a moment about what you know or what you think you know about Native American peoples living today. So just just take a second. I'm going to give you some silence. Think about what it is you know about who they are today. Okay. Do you have anything? So I would say if I answered that question mm -hmm. eight years ago yeah, I before gonna... I met you, yeah. <laughs> I think my answer would be very different uh, than what it is today. Mm -hmm. Thanks to all the things you've introduced me to. Yay. Um, <laughs> I think I had some a decent understanding of the past and of the works of people like Leslie Marmon Silko, like people that I would have experienced as an undergraduate or Louise Erdrich that I had sought out. So I was doing okay, but not great at understanding the contemporary nature of the indigenous uh, experience. So my answer today is based on everything you've taught me. So I, I just wanted to point out that even eight years ago, having already had a PhD, I think my answer would be very similar to what maybe a lot of you out there would have thought, which would be past right. feathers, Thanksgiving, uh, Columbus day. Ugh. Right. The the Washington racial slur team name. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't um, even think of that. You know, things like um, the Trail of Tears. Right. right? I, I would have been the, thinking very much in the past. The Pilgrims, the Indians. Yeah. Right. That sort of mm -hmm. that sort of narrative that keeps getting reproduced and reenacted and reified and represented in all of our current sort of outlets. And education mm -hmm. is a big part of that it is i can i quickly say yeah. that i was at back to school night and <laughs> the teacher and my daughter goes to a school that is very adept at talking about these things uh mentioned that they were going to do a unit on native americans specifically oh, lenape now if anywhere's going to do it right it's going to be there okay yeah. but even i i was like oh, <laughs> i'm always skeptical. i was like oh no oh no what am i going to do what am i going to do so mm -hmm. it, yeah, as a parent i think we need to be vigilant about this narrative too as we think about this, like it's not in the past. It's very easy to fall into those like comforting myth stories that are easy narratives when we're teaching or raising children or celebrating something. So uh, this matters to everyone, it what does. you're talking about today. Yeah. America, land of the free. <laughs> Not land of the free, crooked cops on my street, steady harassing my peeps. Columbus didn't discover ish, he was lost at sea. Therefore, my folks discovered him. There were no borders when the Santa Maria came ashore. What gives immigrants the right to tell the indigenous you can't be here no more? That's hypocrisy. 
So the first time I taught my indigenous rhetorics class, it was an undergraduate level class, right? And it was probably six years ago, because it six, maybe, maybe five years ago. It took me a while to get my class passed through the curriculum process. I don't even want to get into why. But <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so the first time I taught this class to undergraduates, I played music for them. At the start of every class, I would play, I streamed nativeradio.com and I streamed the contemporary stream, not the traditional mm -hmm. powwow stream. And so a piece of music like what you just heard was playing, not that song, but something similar. And as we were talking, a student, we were sitting in a semicircle and a student sort of broke into the conversation and said, wait, 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 wait a minute. And we all shut up and looked at her and she said, what? is that rap? And in that moment, I realized, I assume that even students understand that native peoples are still here and making music, they just don't know who they are. But what I realized in that moment is they don't even know they're still here. They don't even know they're still alive. And they certainly don't connect them to something really modern, like rap. And it just inside myself, it just created like a recommitment to mm -hmm. this issue and this subject. And I realized I better be doing a lot more than just teaching about it. I better start writing more about it I be in publicly because I realized that this is this narrative of their invisibility is everywhere. And these students who are smart <laughs> and aware and open-minded and willing to listen, they had no idea. I thought, whoa, right? And, and I, I think I'm guilty of that, too. I think most people are, yeah. unless you're really doing a lot of hard work to combat current narratives, you're going to be lulled by that story. Yeah. It's, it's easy. It's much easier to be lulled by that story. Well, we're but it's also much more fun to find out what's yeah. out there. <laughs> so be, come along for the ride. Yeah, it is. It's, it's we're all guilty of it because we are all immersed in the exact same messaging environment, the same education structures, the same governmental messages, the same mainstream media ignoring of indigenous experiences. I mean, I was thinking about what are what are some what are some indigenous issues that have been explored by national mainstream media? And in the past <laughs> five signals. years, in Your the favorite. Past, well, in the past five years, I can think of three. The protests at Standing Rock, mm -hmm. the the Native American women who are running for office this year. Okay, and that is and, definitely on the margins of storytelling. Yeah, but yes. and and the Bears Ears National Monument destruction, which again I think in we introduced to a lot of people. So literally, I could think of three things, and the mainstream national media attention was minimal and limited at best. Yes, for all of those things. Yes. So you know, if you read, if you're reading the Cherokee Phoenix, or if you read Indian Country Today Media Network, or you read any indigenous produced journalism, you're going to be seeing different stories mm -hmm. that cover a range of issues for Indian Country. The, the mainstream media never ever touches, except never. strangely, Teen Vogue. Really? Except. Yes. I don't read Teen Vogue. Adrian Keene writes for that. So oh. Teen Vogue has I read often, her blog. <laughs> often has really smart stories about indigenous issues, huh. which shocks the hell out of me. Interesting. So yes, so they clearly have made some kind of commitment. Maybe it's because of their writers. I'm assuming so. That's great. But uh, there's one venue that is offering good, smart stories in a, what I would consider a very mainstream publication. But Teen Vogue is pretty radical. I know that okay. seems shocking. But they, they really are. So they're they're cool to watch. That's great. Yeah. But I would, that is good. Then I'm glad to know that. Thank you for telling me. You're but I would say the vast majority the, of our oh, oh, this is like the, the 
this is one drop. This yeah. is not, I'm not saying this is going to fix everything. This is yeah. the only example I have. I mean, this is, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, NBC nightly right. news oh, or, yeah, no. you know, CNN or, or the New York Times, just any like big mainstream national media outlet. They never, they don't. So I'm glad, I'm glad yeah. to know Teen Vogue is doing it, but I, I expect more than that. Yeah, and oh, quite too. frankly, I, yeah. I, I know that my indigenous colleagues expect more than that too. So I'm trying to like yeah. lift some of that burden off and of And that them they, can they can only do so much. Right. They it's can only like, do so much emotional labor. To validate their own ex- existence. Right. Right. I mean, what the fuck? Get, being demanded, like, prove to me that you exist. Like, that's literally what they have to, anyway. That's so that's why we're doing this. <laughs> so, okay, so another story. You know, I just went to the Santa Fe Indian Market and the Red Nation Film Festival in yes. August. And we were on our way driving out there. And we uh, were st- we stayed one night in Tennessee. Um, and at the breakfast bar in the morning, you know, for your free breakfast, I was standing there uh, waiting to get toast. You know, I was going to make myself some toast. And as I was waiting in line to make toast, I noticed this very, very large man. I mean, he was like twice my size. He was huge. He was towering over me. Big, big guy. And I could see, I sort of out of the corner of my eye, I could see him looking down at me. <laughs> and so I kind of looked up at him and I saw he was looking at my shirt. Mm. And he was looking at my face and he looked at my shirt and he looked at my face and I'm like, what the fuck? And he said, um, Columbus. You mean the city? The t-shirt I was wearing was Native Americans discovered Columbus. And in that moment, when he said that to me, I realized, oh my God, I would never ever have assumed that anyone looking at that shirt would understand its meaning as anything other than its original intent. I, I, it never occurred to me that someone would look at that and think, oh, what, the city? Like I mean, wouldn't immediately go to Christopher Columbus. Yeah. yeah. And I, so my response to him was, I sort of kind of chuckled and I said, no, the dude. And, <laughs> and he, the dude, the big Lebowski, and, the dude. And, and he looked at me, his eyes got a little wide and he went, oh. And then it sort of dawned on him and he turned away. And I thought, what? Who? What? It's am okay. I? It's good. It's good you had that. What it's am I good in? you had that encounter. So again, teachable moment yeah, at the toast okay. counter. Well, and so and so I continue. You know, this is not a fight that's anywhere close to being over. I no. mean, we're literally just. It feels like. I mean, it, it is the thing. I know my indigenous colleagues are just exhausted because for them today, for indigenous peoples of of the past who were basically saying the exact same thing. We're here. We matter. Stop running us over. Stop erasing our identities. Stop telling us to be something else. Like that message from indigenous communities has been with American culture since the beginning, but nobody listens. So it's, I mean, as a, as a cultural thing for indigenous peoples, they're just, they're fed up. They're exhausted. I mean, it's, well, (laughs) and it's relent. I think it's relentless for them. So based on, things I've learned from you. Now when I teach intro to women's and gender studies, I do a a week on indigenous women. And I think a really great entry point for students is the like Pocahontas costumes. Like Mm -hmm. I just taught the lesson where I showed them all the costumes Mm -hmm. and all the write-ups and they, when they're in the classroom, they can absolutely see they're like groaning. They're like, this cannot be real. I'm like, here's the link. Like this is real. And so when you, when you just ask people to step outside kind of the, what feels like the normal every day and just be like, let's look at this as a cultural artifact. Let's talk about the Pocahontas costume or the name of the Washington team as more of like a cultural artifact instead of part of our kind of daily fabric. And 
they those if you know if you, dear listener if you want to go and see what you if you're trying to understand what indigenous peoples especially women are going through go look up these costumes that just take and appropriate everything about it and minimal minimalize and essentialize everything about native american lives or indigenous lives so this and is not this is not like something that's just going to go away. <laughs> this, this is deeply embedded in like every element of of culture. And it's been with us for a long time and I would suggest also um if you have the means and the time go to the Museum of the American Indian yes. in Washington DC yes. right now. Yes, like now get in your there, car and go. Not only the whole museum, but they have a new exhibit that just went in in January. I just went to see mm-hmm. it. It's called Americans. And the entire display when you walk in is, I mean, it's floor to ceiling images of stereotyped representations, fantasy representations of who native peoples are, names, Indians with the headdress, you know, for, for, for products and services and basically using native peoples as a sales tool for products. And it is overwhelming because that whole first room is just, it's, like I said, floor to ceiling, you've got Lando Lakes, the the little, you know, the mm-hmm. fantasy Indian woman mm-hmm. sitting on the river holding butter. You know, <laughs> you've got the Pocahontas costume. You've got all the military weapons and machinery that have the tomahawk the, missile, the, the this, the, 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 the Apache mm-hmm. helicopter. I mean, mm-hmm. like all of these that have just taken these names. And the great thing about that display, and there's several rooms. One of them goes into Pocahontas. Mm. One of them goes into the Trail of Tears. The other one goes into the Battle of the Little Bighorn, and there are some other things there. And it really it 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 presents the full scope of not only how we usually receive these stories in our mainstream American culture, but also what the truth is, and sort of that great balance that that museum does of here's the American perspective, and then here's the indigenous perspective, and it and it really makes you think, and in it sounds like it's probably really um, confrontational, but it's not because you know mm-hmm. how they have that. They strike that balance there so beautifully. So that is a that is a museum that is worth seeing. It is a just even if you go to that exhibit, it took about an hour to go through. So even if you're in D.C. for the day and you don't have time, to I hope the it's our museum. I'm hoping to be there in March. I'm hoping it's still there. It's incredible. Oh, it will be. It's there through 2022. But oh, great. Oh, OK, people, good. If you so, have yeah. time in All the right, next good. year, plan, yeah. plan to go. And at least this is the only museum I have ever heard Amanda speak kindly yeah. of when it comes I, to indigenous peoples so it's worth going and we did an episode about it and we went it's definitely worth going yeah the rest are just no i wouldn't (laughs) um so so um also you know indigenous comics we've we've talked about indigenous comics sort of on the margins we did that in i did that expert extra with uh leaf dr lee francis the fourth who is the owner of native realities press and um he runs the indigenous comic con which is in november um you know go back and listen to what he has to say i he's he said it better than I could. I mean, you, you need to be reading indigenous comics, even if you're not a comics fan, because it's another way to get those contemporary indigenous stories and perspectives and, and really just marvel at how freaking talented they are. I mean, mm-hmm. the artistry and the writing. And so it's it's worth looking into comics. In fact, that my um, indigenous um, rhetorics class that's coming up in the spring, my grad class, I have a lot of indigenous comics mm. on the reading list for them i'm requiring i I am incorporating them as well because also they're easily consumed oh yeah and i think that helps it helps it's a it's a more direct kind of approach instead of like a 400 page novel right 
And it, you know, and if you're a K through 12 teacher, I've written about this for teaching tolerance, you can incorporate indigenous comics into your classroom. You don't have to wait till Thanksgiving or Columbus Day, you can do it at any time. And there are a lot of different themes you can connect to things like community and family and even just creativity. If you're an art teacher, look at the artistry and the, the artistic stylings and the and the strategies that these 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 authors and write and um, artists are using to get their stories across. These are many times they're just traditional stories that are sort of retold and revamped mm -hmm. um, in ways that we've never we don't know these stories which makes it extra exciting because like how many times do you hear people complain like when you look at a hollywood film oh my god here's another like the same Avengers iteration film. of the same story okay yeah. you want new stories you want new exciting imaginative um stories creative stories look to your indigenous makers today that's where you're going to find really good inventive um compelling storytelling Oh, and video games. Mm. So representation in video games, um, representation of native peoples in video games. There are native video game designers working today. And um, one of them is actually Elizabeth LaPonce, who is also oh, a writer. Oh, okay. yep, She did that. She's, she got a grant to work on a new video game called When Rivers Were Trails. So even playing video games, and it's going to be free. By the way, this video game Ooh. is going to be coming out in January, I think, and it's going to be free to download. Um, so that's the kind of thing you can. And the other one that she did was called Thunderbird Strike, which is also free. It's a 2D side scroller that you can download into your iPhone or your Android and play. Hmm. Doesn't take long. It's really simple. Three little levels. It's fun. You get to be a Thunderbird and you get to destroy oil pipeline snakes and uh, uh, reinvigorate uh, local elk and bison populations. So that sounds like a uh, you know much better than Candy Crush. Yeah. So for like an hour of Candy Crush instead of doing that, play yeah. that game. Yeah, play Thunderbird Strike or look for um, When Rivers Were Trails. Another thing that you all can do, um, I know who I follow on Twitter and Instagram, but you should, at the very least, if you're on Twitter, go to hashtag Native Twitter. Just go to hashtag Native Twitter and look to see who the indigenous people are who are posting there. That's a lot That's of them. baseline. Just baseline. do that. And then, follow, and then follow all those people. And then follow a whole bunch of those people. And on in, on Instagram, um, you know, if you're on Instagram, there, there are a lot um, of Native makers. I uh, follow uh, Weshiot uh, Alvitra. She is the artist for Dear Woman Anthology. Mm -hmm. She is working on Wind Rivers for, for Trails. She, she does a lot of artwork. And she also works... Um, in mainstream comics as well. So she is extremely experienced. Um, she's Tongva, and she's out in uh, California territory, California area. Um, but there are many people. Is there anybody you want to talk about? I also follow Adrian Keene, Native Approps, you know, Native Appropriations on both Instagram and on um, Twitter. I mean, I follow a lot more than that. But I would say for our listeners, find indigenous peoples, um, whether it's musicians or whether it's artists or writers or scholars, find those people and start following them. And then when you do find the ones that you want to follow, go look at their follower list, see who they're following yeah, and exactly. follow them too. <laughs> Build your and follower. And go to their blogs and read what they write. Yeah. And you know, those clicks matter. And then it sends a message to publishers and publications that people are actually reading these things. So engagement is important as well with what they're producing. Mm-hmm. Anybody that you follow that you'd like All to those, show? All those, no. Like this, like no. same. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> now that you've listened to this episode and, you know, think about what I asked you to think about what you knew. Now think about what you know now, having listened to this conversation. Now you know a different story. So really the rest is up to you. 
And I would encourage you to go seek out those contemporary native uh, indigenous meaning makers and, and fit them into your newsfeed, fit them into your brain and fit them into your heart, absorb their stories think, and, and listen. Listen to a story you haven't heard before. And it's also pleasurable. It is. And pleasant. It's not didactic. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, they're creating art. That's a pleasure to consume Mm -hmm. as well. So we're not recommending anything that really feels didactic or teachy or preachy. It's storytelling. Or or even theory. Notice I didn't mention any scholars. Exactly. Right. This is, this is art that is pleasurable to consume. I mean, it can be challenging, can challenge your thinking, but it's also, you can derive pleasure from Mm. what you're consuming. And, and I know just to end on a final question, I know a lot of non-native peoples actually ask me this. And I think a lot of native makers get this question a lot. Well, I'm not native, so am I allowed to read this? Am I allowed to buy that? Am I okay? <laughs> so, if it's for sale, then yes. Okay, I guess. so if it is something that an indigenous artist, writer, designer created, they are designing it for your consumption. Exactly. Your meaning, all of us. So don't buy quote Navajo panties from fucking Urban Outfitters or, or smudge sticks or from s- Sephora. Right? Is that who sold that? I don't want to smudge Sephora. No. Yeah. Yeah. But those. Yeah. Don't. So f- do the extra homework to find the indigenous designers, artists, and writers who are writing, creating, and making these things, and buy directly from them. Yes, you are allowed. In fact, you are encouraged. Right. right. So if you want to buy a cool, um, you know, a cool snappy T-shirt with uh, something like uh, Native Americans discovered Columbus, go to OXDXClothing.com. It's an it's a it's a Diné company. Jared Yazzie is Diné Navajo. He designs it. He has, his company is so it's indigenous. It's an indigenous company. You can buy T-shirts from him if you want jewelry. Go to BeyondBuckskin.com. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, these people are out there, and so yes, you're allowed to buy them, but you should only be buying them from the indigenous peoples who are making them, not from gigantic corporations who are slapping a native name onto something and saying, "Ooh, it's native." No, it's not. <laughs> Amen. That you're not allowed to buy. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and if you're not sure, message us. Message us, and we'll and we'll tell you if you can buy it or not. Exactly. <laughs> when in doubt. Time for Trumpster, Trumpster fire. fire. Well, I say that it's a very scary time for young men in America when you can be uh, guilty of something that you may not be guilty of. This is a very, very, this is a very difficult time. What's happening here has much more to do than even the appointment of a Supreme Court justice. It really does. So, my so friend. he's right. It does have a lot to do, more to do with than a Supreme Court justice. So would you like to explain why? Because um, I'm infuriated by the fact that our president is actually shifting the... And I'm not surprised. I mean, I just want to say I'm not surprised that he completely ignored the fact that there are so many, especially women, who are survivors of sexual assault. He just blew right past that into, it's such a scary time for men. You know what? I'm fucking over that. And it's not actually a scary time for men. It's an easy time for men. It's, it's a, always been an easy time for men. It's a, it's a scary time for men who commit sexual 
assault. And as I don't even it, think it actually is a scary time. As it fucking so, should be. But the Ugh, so okay. and I understand this is a very emotional time for America. <laughs> but for anybody who's been paying attention, it's not. Nothing new is happening. So if I could just step us back to the very dangerous time. Please um, do. I mean, basically, I think what we've learned is it's not. You can be president. And I, and I don't know what the FBI report said. I, I'm glad the FBI report happened. It didn't matter, though. Well, Which we knew it wasn't going to matter. But you can become su- a Supreme Court justice. I, you know, I'm not necessarily saying he committed the things that... I believe her. I do, too. <laughs> well, if you believe her, then you're automatically saying well, you don't believe... And actually, I he, also he trusted, lied under oath. He, and not about that. Yeah. So I don't I mean I, he, he to these are all moot points. Yeah. And this is the point. Like it is not a dangerous time because no. I just watched Bill Cosby finally go to prison in his early 80s mm. for things that he committed decades ago after living quite a lovely life. Yep. I've finally watched Harvey Weinstein go to jail. Well, I don't even think he's in jail no, for yet. committing decades worth of atrocity like mm-hmm. i i don't really i i, I understand so there's this big narrative right now about like well if you're raising sons it's very dangerous and yes a false accusation would be dangerous but statistically that does not happen very often no it doesn't and also i want to remind everybody that we just watched Oh, i mean i can't imagine anybody coming forward after watching what happened last week so it is not it is a dangerous time to be a black boy yes it, it is. is a dangerous it, it's it is a very dangerous time i think for boys mm-hmm. in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but not in the way that he is talking about no, no. and so and he has said in other clips oh, i've been accused i've been accused and i'm like <laughs> yes by a myriad of women yes so uh, we come back to that you know what is the tipping point how many women does it take um and I, uh, it's not, I, the fact that he made fun of Dr. Ford, even if he thought she was lying, right? Which he said she was credible, but publicly made fun of her. Oh, and then the assholes behind her And, then, and I was just going to bring up the people behind. And laughing. It, it makes me want to burn it's this country not, down. It's not, <laughs> I, I think it, it, it comes back to that structural issue, right? Like, structurally nothing has changed no not a thing there is no increased danger to boys nope. and if i had to guess what's going to happen there will be even fewer survivors male or female mm-hmm. that come forward about their perpetrators so that narrative of it's very very dangerous time to be boys if he was like talking about the complicated nature of what it's like to be a young black man walking in the streets um then i'd be thrilled but to you have know that conversation not, you know that's no, not no, what no, he's no, talking no. about that was all about judge kavanaugh and <laughs> yeah. that was all about that yep so um i think that there is a i hate using the word hysteria but there's like this level of angst and anxiety about false reporting that has I didn't think could increase but has actually increased and it is the thing that's always brought up to me yeah and I was so grateful for that male ally when I was on a show one time and he is the one who stepped in and said no actually this like statistically does not happen very often um oh, I was really since, grateful since for when that do facts and statistics matter in this American landscape but anymore I just want to remind everybody that this is the case and 
I don't think any person wants a false accusation to happen. Again, I remind us all that when we say believe women, it means so that they can take the next step. If that is a legal step, great, but maybe it's not. It's not what he says that like you're convicted yep. before judge, you, jury, trial, just with a with a you statement. Know, and maybe not, that is no. happening on social media. I mean, that's very possible. But all I have seen is people still get what they're trying to attain. Yep. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to this is. But I just wanted to bring to light and talk a little bit and complicate a little bit that that idea that it's a very very dangerous time to be a boy yeah the whole um oh boys are victims now i mean unless you're talking about young black and indigenous boys you know no and and there Just might know. be a boy like they're they're at you know there absolutely might be well actually one of my friends individually yeah. right like individual cases of this they're absolutely yeah. that can be a thing i actually saw one of my friends on facebook posted this i think last week after saying nothing about any of this not supportive of Dr. Ford, not against, not nothing, like literally nothing in her feed was about this. But this one story she posted was um, some girl, some idiot in some high school falsely accused some boy. Yeah, this There happens. was a couple of girls who wanted to like basically get at him. Of course. And they figured yeah. it out very quickly, by the way. Uh, they okay. figured yeah. it out very quickly. And this, all the, all the responses are, oh my God, it's so terrible. And oh, this is awful. And I was like, Yes, it is awful, but you all are acting like this is common. It's right. not. Stop and it is it. awful. And I think that <sighs> a I, bigger picture that, that it's being taken away picture? from us that we Jesus. would say we would be the first to say that's not okay. No, of course it's like, not. Like I was being harassed on social media and this one person was like just, you know, saying these terrible things. And I was just like if that did happen to you under my watch, then that's not okay. Of course like not. I don't think and uh, none of that would be okay no but that but the fact that that's the focus right so that's that's where instead this is that this is now the shift in the narrative right (laughs) the shift in the narrative is very quickly gone to we need to be worried about our sons we need to be worried about our boys and i agree we need to be worried about them in many capacities but i think it's relatively easy to teach them about consent and, yet, and talking and yet, about their you know, partners. See, but you say it's relatively easy. I have yet to see evidence of that. I don't well, see any right. mothers of boys coming out saying, I sat my sons no, down my and had a do. very specific no, my conversation. Do. Well, I haven't seen yeah, a lot yeah. of that on my feet. Yeah. And it's so. very it's very telling to me, the silence. It's like, okay, you're, you're, you're making this like, oh, it's awful. It's okay. Well then sit down. Tell me you told your sons about consent. Tell me you made sure they understand what the difference is and they get it. Prove it to me. Yeah. Prove it to me. Prove it to me as, as a, as a sexual assault survivor, prove it to the other women, prove it to the fact that make it public instead of, instead of us uh, assuming the sexual assault survivors should be the one, you know, putting, putting ourselves out there. How about you take some fucking responsibility and talk about what you're doing to make sure your sons don't commit sexual assault Mm -hmm. and make it public for the rest of us. So we see you're doing the, the work. Oh, I'm just I'm very I angry. This I know she hasn't seen I'm that a... clip yet. So, so <laughs> like, we saved it. Yeah. So we hope that you are all staying safe <laughs> and taking care of yourselves. And uh, I think all we learned is that nothing has changed. And our president in the past lies. few weeks. Our president lies. He continues to lie, and he, he supports could, liars. I'm fine with <laughs> lying, frankly, from a politician, because <laughs> I think that's part of the job. If it also doesn't fan the flames of fear like politicians lie okay whatever Mm -hmm. i get it but like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. 
where he convinces people that they're victims Mm -hmm. when really like structurally they're not Mm -hmm. (laughs) is what really scares me because to reel that back in is such a challenge and that's why I get scared and want to talk about comments like that that he's making as like a flip comment but really are dangerous I think are dangerous I agree yeah so we hope you agree too (laughs) and if not let us know Let's take a time out for a media minute. I'm hoping that everyone will pick up a copy of Dear Woman, an anthology that is published by Native Realities, which Amanda did a, re- a recent interview on. So I hope you go back and listen to that interview at Expert Extra and then pick up Dear Woman. Dear Woman is a collection of indigenous comics who retell or interpret the Dear Woman story, which is part of a a narrative lineage of many indigenous groups. But the shared idea is that Dear Woman usually enacts some kind of violence as revenge, often against men. Uh, In the anthology, it's specifically about sexual assault or sexual violence. I wanted to read a little bit that Lee Francis wrote from the introduction. And he writes, one in three Native women are sexually assaulted in their lifetimes. Let that resonate. This is not some anomaly, but rather speaks to the fact that Native people and Native women specifically are systematically silenced. Their stories are left untold and unheard. The eroticization and marginalization of Native women to fulfill colonial fantasies of power is a common theme running through literature and comic books. So what they do is they are trying to take back these narratives by the creation of this anthology. It is well worth getting merely for the art, but also for the storytelling and for the activist bent to it. So check out Native Realities, Dear Woman and Anthology. You can read it in hard copy or digitally, and it's absolutely worth your time. So check it out and give voice to all of these authors and these artists. Thanks for spending time with us inside 254. You can find us a lot of places online. On Facebook, we're at Inside 254 Podcast. On Twitter, we're at Inside 254 Pod. On Instagram, we are at Inside 254. You can find our free episodes on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, and you can also just Google us. Until next time.